welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the idea behind the whole channel, behind everything that I do, is really because I remember what it was like to start teaching. And I've even five, 10 you know, years in, even 15 years in this year, um, I still, I just remember what it's like uh, for teachers. So I wanted to create this space on YouTube to create videos. And then I wanted to create a space where I could just answer questions in real time. So if you're new here, what you have to do is just put your questions in on the side. I'm not going to be the only person that answers them. There are people from literally all over the world that are on here as well, <clears throat> excuse me. And they will answer all of your questions too. So Tracy Pinter and Unicorns Rock and Hales Teach and uh, Richard Royster and Kate the Sleepy Teacher and whoever else is on here, they all enter in as well. So if I don't know an answer, and even if I do have an answer, you might get a better answer from someone else. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm verklempt. I have some water right over here in my wine glass, which looks <laughs> weird. Uh, the vision here is that we're trying to help teachers out on Sunday night. We have a whole lot of stuff that is available to all of you to help meet that need, whether it's on Sunday night or whether it's middle of the night on a Wednesday and you're freaking out, right? So there's the Facebook group. You can go over to Facebook, Real Rap with Reynolds. Uh, teacher Talk on Facebook uh, is a closed Facebook group. It's only for educators. You can go to the website, realrapwithreynolds.com. You can sign up for mentoring at the website or you can email me, I'll give you rates and availability, and then you just sign up for mentoring and we can go deep on like your actual stuff through a Facebook or for, through a phone call, Facebook call a phone call or Skype. Skype. Um, and what else do we do, wife? I do talks and come to your school and speak. And the newest thing to this whole giant sort of unintentional empire that is going on here is Upgrade Ed, which just dropped yesterday. Upgrade Ed is my sort of initiative and in working with my partners, Michelle from Pocketful of Primary and Bridget, at the letter classroom and we have, are just tired of sitting through pds that are not feeling like they cater to us so we decided to make our own and what it is is like a subscription service or not subscription like you sign up but you can pick what courses you want to do so like every year i have to sit through courses and pd meetings and i'm just like bro i don't i don't need to learn about this but i'm real bad at doing this it allows you to pick that stuff and so right now if you go to upgraded.education, you can see like that you can take like the first initial course free. I think it's four classes, right? For free, you get free resources, you get follow-up articles and resources like um, and references and stuff like that too. And you can print out a certificate that you can use at your school to get credit. So not all schools will honor the certificate, but if you ask them nicely, they might because it turns out districts just decide whatever they want to do, and that's how they get. If it's from my understanding. Like it's not like a set state thing or a national thing as to what you can get professional development for. I've had teachers before email me and say, I was on maternity leave. I showed my principal your YouTube channel and now I get professional development credits just for watching your YouTube channel, which is kind of awesome. So look, it, and this is all to just try and help teachers in a real way. It's all good stuff for teachers by teachers. And that's it. One more thing I want to tell you about because I keep getting asked where I'm going to speak. Um, I am speaking, I might say this again later, I'm going to speak uh, 
September 28th, I'm doing a free conference. It's an EdCamp conference at what's the name of the high school? I forget, but I'm gonna put it in the um I'm gonna put it in the description box as soon as this is done. You get free breakfast. You get free lunch for Panera bread, which apparently Panera in Spanish means bread. So my Spanish students always call it bread bread. Um, so it is at 130 Berlin Road in New Oxford, PA. It's right near Gettysburg. It's like this giant, enormous, magical-looking school. I did it last year. It was great. This year, I'm like their – I guess I'm like a keynote. I'm like the lead speaker during lunch. So while you're eating your bread bread, you can listen to me yammer on. And it's going to be awesome. It's put on by my friend Autumn, who's really wonderful. I wouldn't even be surprised if Autumn was in here right now. And so if you're interested in that, if you want free professional development, you can sign up. And I'm going to put the uh, – the link in here, I think the wife for life might put it in here on the side, but otherwise it'll be in the description immediately after this show is finished. It didn't work. No, but I'm doing it again. Okay. So that's it. I think I've, I've talked for long enough. What do we got? Got questions for me? Bam. Genevieve. Um, Genevieve, not Guinevere. Like I said before, I don't know why that was a weird thing. Um, first question is what is your advice for first year lesson planning? So I get this question a lot. I think first of all, don't recreate the wheel. There's tons of stuff online you can pull from. And so the way I used to do it, because I don't, I don't lesson plan the same way anymore. I just am like kind of more shoot from the hip these days because I've just been doing the same thing. So I know what the next activity, the next lesson, the next test, the next quiz is going to be like. Um, but I would go on and type in great lesson plan or really good lesson plan. Because if someone's going to put great in front of their lesson plan idea, then that means probably great. So, or it's at least pretty good. After doing that, I put them all up like I'm in a scene from Minority Report. And then I just start noting all the things that I like. And then pull those all into a list. And then that's how I put together a lesson plan. I generally set mine out for five weeks per unit. So for me... That's I get a calendar off. You go to like dateandtime.com or something like that. You can print out like a free little one page thing and then mark out all the days that we don't have school or that we have a trip or that we have a speaker coming in or that there's professional development or whatever. Um, once those are all marked out, I like reverse engineer the situation. Here's the beginning of it. Here's the test. Now, how do I get from here to here and have the kids know all the things that I want them to know? And then I just start filling those in. So Every Wednesday's independent reading, every Monday's vocabulary, every Friday is an assessment. And then I just basically fill it in like that. And what that does for me, because I am not organizationally inclined. I am like, uh, I'm like organization for dummies. What that does for me is it shows me how much, how many moves I can have in the game. <laughs> and now I can fit in the things that I want to fit in. And then I make my lesson plans from there. So that's the best way I can find. I think when looking for stuff, I think teachers.net has really good stuff. I think that's Harry Wong's site, uh, but they have lesson plans for free on there. And uh, what's the other one I go to? The New York Times is a really good one as well. And I think Scholastic. And look, I'm a paid partner of Scholastic, so I think I'm supposed to mention that or something. But I just like their stuff. I don't partner with anybody that I wouldn't like their stuff. So that's why I would check out. Um, Maisie is asking, what's up, Maisie? Uh, Hurricane Dorian is headed our way. Pretty scared. I, Pauls, we do not watch the news. We don't. So I, have I did no hear about this, though. There was a hurricane. Yeah. Do you, so. do you know why I know? Why? Because it's threatening um, the new Star Wars world in Disney. Oh, dang. So <laughs> that's why that's why I caught my attention. I'm not saying like that's more yeah. important than anyone else. But 
um, I have so many school projects to do during the hurricane. So how do I get things if the power goes out? Like, what do I do? I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Play um, games? I, you're but the power sorry. goes out, right? Like, I guess. They have to go home. So I just, you know, I think of Miss um, May. Remember that huge hurricane that happened yes. a couple years ago in, in Texas? Texas? Yeah. And my friend Miss May, who runs the YouTube channel, uh, One Fab Teacher, she was like charging her phone in her car and then she would go back into the house and that's how she was getting everything done because um, the Wi-Fi didn't go out. I don't think, uh, actually, that's not true. I think there were a couple of days when the Wi-Fi did go out, but yeah. that would be my answer. Here's what I would ask. I know there's people on here that are from Florida. What advice could you give uh, Maisie that would help her out in this situation? And that's, that's I'm going to, over to, over to all of you. So. Wait, is she in yeah. Florida? Is that where it's? I believe so. It's supposed to hit Florida, I think too. Yeah. But, but yeah, to be honest, I don't watch the news. Um, and that leaves me out of the loop on some stuff, but like, I feel like the really important stuff eventually gets to me like this. Um, and that just comes from our kids being little. Like when they were really little, we used to watch the news at dinner all the time. And, but when someone's getting killed every five minutes, it's like, and that's what they keep reporting on. I remember like our little ones going like, wait, someone died. And it was like, Oh yeah, maybe this is, this is too much overload for you guys. Uh, Luke is asking, I start teacher training tomorrow, nervous and excited. Any tips on how to impress during observations by my mentor? Luke, I would say this. I think the thing that's the most impressive about student teachers is two things. One, when they show up and they want to work. They don't show up and they're not sitting on their phone in the back of the room. They're not feeling awkward and scared and stuff like that. I mean, like launching yourself into it. Like you finally are getting the chance to be in a classroom that, and be in front and not just be the learner. And then like, so like you're connecting with kids, you're talking with kids, you're asking the teacher saying literally, what can I do to make your life easier while I'm here? Like that is the language I would use. And then checking back in, don't make your lessons precious, right? This is like when you first start taking guitar lessons, you don't get all flustered because you can't like get a chord. You listen to the advice of someone else. You don't listen to the advice. Like they're trying to punch your, your feelings in the face instead <clears throat> just say, Hey, look, this was that lesson. What do you got for me? Like, I want to make it better. I know that it's not the best, even though I tried and I worked really hard on it. How can I get even better at this and have them tell you, and then make sure you're taking that information into account and rolling it into your next lesson. And that is going to be what impresses someone. It's not going to be your initial ability to crush it. It's how are you learning from your mistakes and capitalizing on your successes and then moving forward. That's going to be what helps you win. Uh, my buddy, Kimberly Wallback is asking, I'm starting as a parrot in a new high school Tuesday. Any tips? Um, Kimberly, you already know what I'm going to say, because I'm going to say you need to build relationships with those kids. Show up um, that first day. And look, I, I all the new teachers this year, I told them like, when my freshmen come back on Monday, never met any of them. I have no idea who they are, what they're about or any of that stuff. I will absolutely be at the front door of the school, which is where everyone has to come in. And I will say hello to every single kid as they come in the door. I'll shake as many hands as I possibly can. And that's how I'm going to greet everyone into the day. And at the end of that day, I'm going to be at the door saying goodbye to every single kid that leaves also. And I think that that visibility helps kids to start trusting you, especially when you're a para. I know that like 
in certain schools, I've heard who was saying this to me. Oh, our girl Edie. Um, my friend Edie was saying to me last night that she has a para in with her, and the kids sometimes discount the para because they're not like a like a teacher, like a tech. I hate their quotes. I can't believe I just did that. Uh, <laughs> they're not like a certified teacher, yeah, and so they get dogged a lot of times. And I think like my boy Stu that I work with is essentially he's a para. He's like an assistant. Um, didn't go to college for education or anything like that, but Stu's the man. Like he's my, one of my go-to guys if I'm having like relationship struggles with a student. Stu is it's my relationship counselor when it comes to me and children, and he's just got it. And so I, I think building that relationship, letting kids know who you are and what you're about and what you're there for, is going to be what wins the game for you. Um, I'm here. I'm here. So everyone knows I'm here. Williams on here. He has a little purple head. Uh, not in real life. <laughs> Because that would mean he was ill or something like that. But Amir is a student of mine. He's going to be a senior this year. So Amir is asking, are you still teaching freshman rounds? Yes, I am. And I'm also, they gave me back the history of hip hop, which I did not get last year. I was teaching senior study last year. But this year I'm teaching history of hip hop twice. And I'm teaching four freshman classes. And I got a new co-teacher last minute too. So um, I'll talk about all that stuff when I get back in the classroom. Um my buddy, Mr. Riedel, who has the most successful how to open your locker uh, video on the Internet, I think. So, <laughs> hey, CJ, I'm curious to know how you how students respond when they ask about or how how do you respond when students ask about your tattoos? What do you say? <clears throat> I have a couple different things. I don't really like talking about my tattoos, which is I get is a weird thing, right? It's like I put a big mark. I have tattoos here. I have tattoos here. Um, they so I. But although they're there, like it's not something I want to talk to talk about. But like, so it de- kind of depends. First, I tell them it's a birthmark, and I just say, I was, "Bro, I was born this way." I don't know. I just I'm just marked like that guy from the X Men. Um, and then I tell them like, so some are easier than others. So like this tattoo, for instance, is my wife. You have yours on you. Yeah, you have your tattoo on you right now. So this are so corny. It is. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm in the wrong position. Uh, I don't know oh, how to we show are it. Hashtag anyway, it's a heart and an arrow, right? So it goes together. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of you. Which is very cute. Um, the other thing is like, so this tattoo is really is my Jesus tattoo. And so it's like the anchor that sets us free. So then it turns on all these birds. And I also got it in memory of my father and my grandfather, right? Because they were like anchors in my life. But that is weird. Like, I don't want to talk about Jesus in school because it's a public school. And I, so I just say like, it has to do with my faith or something like that. And then, um, so that is kind of what comes up and the kind of how I handle that. But with, with kids that I really know, I don't mind sharing that stuff, but like with freshmen, I don't always talk about that stuff. Uh, Julie is asking, what's your advice for gaining experience working with children to apply to PGCE course? Uh, I'm in the UK. So, <clears throat> well, welcome from the UK. My people are from the Liverpool area, but I've never been there. Never been to Liverpool. Put it on the list. I will. Write it down. Um, I would say gaining – look, I think anything you can do to put yourself in that mode of a teacher is what I would do. Like, And I didn't do this. So I'm giving this advice having not done it when I was a teacher. But – from, or when I was in school, I, I think I would have tutored just like, so I don't know what the 
cases in the UK, but like I, here I would use like some kind of like, tu- like there's gotta be some kind of online tutoring thing. I know Craigslist has one. Um, so I would sign up for something like that, put something out there, then you're making money and you're helping kids. I think doing something like getting involved in an after school program, getting involved in uh, summer camp, even though it's the end of summer, um, up in the Northern hemisphere, anyway, our girl down there in Australia, they're getting ready. Kafupal is getting ready for summer break. This is a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible accident. Why do you always try and do it? Do you I don't know. really do. Nobody my, knows that you do this all the time. That's because I'm always talking about Hamish Brewer. <laughs> and he talks like this. It sounds like a mixture between I'm from Australia, England, and maybe India. I'm not really sure. It's, it is it. the worst. It's like a train wreck. Um, it's multicultural. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I think getting involved in anything where kids are and a lot of that stuff, That's they can hire London. you on for free, like contact the school and say, Hey, I'm in school for education. Or I want to be a teacher. Is there anything I can do <clears throat> to partner for you? And then there's some steps you're going to have to take. Like in the U S you probably have to get like a background check. So they know you're not a psychopath and get like fingerprints and stuff like that. And, but after that, like you just go in and just start getting like, being around kids, that's what I would do. When I was a kid, real quick story that's seemingly unrelated. I wanted to play drums so bad. And when I started playing drums, like we didn't have YouTube and stuff. I sound so old. We didn't have YouTube back in the day. So I would go to bars at night and sit outside of the front door of bars and listen to the bands that played on the inside. Because I just wanted to be around that world. And I think teachers should be doing the same thing. Not sitting out bars, outside of bars, but... I mean, you could if there's teachers in there, but they might... um, sitting outside in playgrounds to be close to kids would be an equivalent, and that's creepy. You made it sound creepy. No, you did. I mean, not like a, it's not like I don't have a giant bag of dum dums that we just bought <laughs> too. But <clears throat> I don't know. Winter, Winter is a returning cast member, and she is here every week, and I love it. Um, one of my classes struggled on Friday with only half of the kids doing work. I only had one girl. That was laying on the floor most wait i also had one girl that was laying on the floor most of the class i just don't i like the, i'm laughing because it's like that's not that weird to me anymore like <laughs> I, I hear exactly what you're talking about i just don't want this class to get out of hand thoughts winter i would say that look one oh gosh I'm, I'm i'm about to say something i'm like ah, take it a step back take it a step back take it a step back couple of quick things, right? That I say a lot, but like, I'm going to pull them all together. One, I think consistency in the classroom is key. Explaining to your students what should be happening and what needs to be happening when they're in your class is important. Two is explaining to them why this is important. My students don't read a thing, don't write a thing, don't listen to a thing, don't say a thing unless they know exactly why they're doing it. Like, hey, let's talk about reading. Reading is important because and it's not because it's on the test and it's not because you uh, it's you need to be able to read when you're older or something like that because really you can like and you can probably get by like people get by without reading but i think reading is magical i think reading is the thing that if you got addicted to drugs and you ended up in prison and you got out at 35 and you wanted to reinvent your life i think reading is the way you're going to do that That is going to be the thing that opens up everything else to you so that you can grow as a person. And so let's have that conversation. I think the other thing is, is 
confronting kids. You cannot be nervous to talk to kids. Like sit down with someone and say, bro, we're not working, but I'm just wondering like, why? Like, is, do you not understand what I'm doing? Because, because here's what you need to know. I'm here to teach you. This isn't a voluntary activity. I'm assuming that since you showed up to learn, I showed up to teach. And in, in that unsaid contract that we have here, now we're going to, uh, I'm just thinking how I stole that from the karate kid, which is something Edie and I talked about the other night. Um, let's help you to be as successful as possible. And then for any given activity, there is a time that it, this is done. So like I tell kids, all right, bro, you got 10 minutes, guys, to, to finish this up. You got five minutes to do this quick activity. You have 15 minutes to work as a group on this portion of your project. And that's it. And then I remind them, all right, guys, we got five minutes left. Not to make them nervous, not to push them, but because sometimes kids just sit there like this. And they're like, oh, wait, oh, oh, we're done? Wait, wait, I'm not done yet. And it's like you have to give them the time limit to help them do that. So with my boy, right, I've talked about Brody before, um, and Brody has high-functioning autism. And so that is an ADHD, which when unmedicated is like, it's like that dog from Up when he would see a squirrel and he just goes, squirrel. That's what Brody's like. So when he's getting dressed in the morning, like especially when he was younger, I have to go, all right, putting on your pants. You got nine seconds. And you'll go, I think I can do an eight. Okay, you got eight seconds. So now he's got to put his pants on in that eight seconds. And if he doesn't, I forget what I would do to him. I don't know. I feel like I would like get one of those whack towels. Him like, whack him with a towel or something like that, whatever I was doing to him, right? But it was giving him the time to get it done so it didn't just become this. Because otherwise, he'll just stand upstairs and just like looks around and starts imagining or starts playing with something or creating a different task. That time is really going to help them to get to push forward. And look, as the year goes on, right? Like, I to, real quick, I don't think students do stuff to, because it's personal, right? They're not personally trying to like come at you, maybe later in the year, but in the beginning of the year, they're either trying to see what they can get away with or they're they are blissfully unaware that what they're doing is a problem. So if a kid's tapping on a desk or jump, like his feet are bouncing up and down, or he's talking to someone else, this isn't a slight to you. And I think that that is something I have to remind myself of all the time. And I think teachers just need to be reminded of that constantly because everybody has a story. Everyone's dealing with something. Everyone's acting a particular way for a reason. And sometimes that reason is just that they're young, right? It's sometimes that reason is just because their their brain's not done developing. And so they're not, they don't think. And sometimes that reason is because something else is going on or because they don't believe in themselves. Because to be honest, kids don't, I don't think kids do well in school because partially they don't believe, I'm sorry, I think I have a question on there, but I'm ranting yes. for a second. Because they don't believe truly believe that this outcome will create something. It is the reason that I do not have six pack abs anymore, right? There was a time in my life when I was real skinny and I had them, but now I don't because I think in the back of my head, I think I'm probably not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna get them. Like even if I do all the sit-ups and I don't eat all the stuff and it's like, I'm probably still not gonna get them. But if I really believed, I probably do it. That was a weird transition. And now we're going to take it from classroom management and consistency and my abs to <laughs> Madeline's question. Madeline Stevens is asking, uh, I'd like to start uh, a tech teacher YouTube channel. This is actually a very good idea. And although Darren does that, he does tech. Um, I don't I don't know that he gets down. Like he does, that I don't think he focuses solely on that. He does like a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, so robotics, coding, media, D&D. 
D&D, like Dungeons and Dragons, um, here in Seattle. But I want to know if there's any channels doing that already. I don't think so. And Madeline, it doesn't matter if there, if there is. Sure. And this Tom is Gibson why. Is one oh, Tom, so look, with. this is what I would do. I don't think that it's a, it's not a, and I don't know that you're going this way anyway, but I'm going to just kind of read into this. It's not a, if someone else is doing it, you shouldn't do it. I think it's um, other people are doing it. How can you partner with them? Because Tom Gibson, yeah, he does that also. And Tom Gibson is the man. Tom Gibson might be on here right now. Um, Tom Gibson has a YouTube channel and he has a podcast that is, the best produced it's not not necessarily like i don't want to like pit one host against another but like the quality of what he created when i was on his podcast i was really really proud to be a part of it i felt like i was on an npr like program it was sick so i'd reach out to him but here's the thing in doing in doing youtube doing instagram doing facebook if anyone's thinking about getting into this the thing is there's only one you there might be other high school teachers, elementary teachers. There might be other people that are pocketfuls of primary also, or that are teaching fourth grade, but they're, but they're not doing it like you. What you need to remember is that your ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. And so there might be other high school teachers eventually that like start flooding YouTube as well, but they're not doing it like me. And so that I think is the, is the thing to remember. So, um, when going in the school, when when creating a YouTube channel or anything like that, like just remember that your ordinary is someone else's extraordinary and you should be doing it anyway. Because, you know, there might be someone out there that you're really going to help and they don't they can't jive with with everyone else. But your voice, your voice will be the one that encourages them to move forward. Um, Robbie Hadley is asking. Hello. Hello, Robbie. Uh, how do you deal with students who continuously miss homework assignments? Um, that's a good question. I. So I don't really give homework is an important thing to kind of like just mention um, partially for that reason, partially for the reason that like our school is extended school day and it's long and I don't want kids to get home at eight o'clock at night and do homework. The other thing, gosh, what would I do? I have a, I have a video on this. So if you want to check that out also, that's just a good resource as well. If you go onto my channel, you go to the top where the little magnifying glass is and type in homework, it's going to be the first thing that pops up. Other than that, I would say, I think either communicating with home to just let them know, because, you know, a lot of times I know teaching, teaching high school kids, uh, the communication with home isn't always there because kids don't go, kids go home and they go like this. Uh, mom says, Hey, what'd you do today? And they go, nothing, nothing, nothing. And it's like, bro, really nothing all day, every day. So I think communication home. I also make sure that I put notes in my PowerPoint, um, where, or not in my PowerPoint, in PowerSchool, which is the online grade book that we use, where like if someone gets a zero on something because it wasn't handed in, I make sure I mark it missing. And then I write in there, this is the fifth homework assignment in a row. This is the fourth homework assignment in a row, whatever it is, so that they're noted and parents can go in there and see that stuff as well. But I think calling home is the move on that one if it keeps happening again and again, or just send, I'd rather send emails to be honest, or uh, text messages because Phone calls just take too long, which is why everyone gets annoyed. You know you get annoyed when people call your house now and you're just like, damn, bro, couldn't just text me? This means somebody died. That's what it usually means. <laughs> that was dark, but it's the truth. You know there's certain people that when you see oh, a phone I call, know. you're like, oh, no. Who, what could have happened? Something horrific happened. Um, Beth Becker is asking, 
I'm a first year chem teacher and I've been teaching for a month now and I'm starting to get really worn out. Uh, I don't want to let lower the quality of my lessons, but I can't keep up this pace all year advice. So Beth, I would say one, one, it is not going to be school that just brings you down, right? If you're, if you're totally worn out, you need to be filling the cup back up, right? So like, like, what is it that you are, that you can do to make yourself better, to be stronger, to be healthier, to be happier, right? So like, are you, and look, this sounds like it's going a different way, but I really think this matters. Um, during the school year, my diet is so dialed in. It is like, it never fluctuates unless I'm like ordering out at night because I'm too busy and I don't want to like cook food. But in the morning, like I get up early and I meditate every day and I run every day and I pray every day and journal every morning without fail. And then I like only drink coffee and then I do intermittent fasting and I don't eat my lunch, which is like this green sludge that my wife makes for me. And <laughs> I drink that crap and it has kale and all this other crap in it. And I eat a protein bar for lunch and that's it. And then when I come home, um, I usually eat a salad because I'm starving and I sometimes have a cup of coffee in the middle of the afternoon. And then we have like a good dinner that night. And so it's all part of a healthy balanced diet. I feel like that was a cereal commercial. And then at night, I usually have like a glass or two of wine uh, and during the school year. And so the other things that I'm, there's like a whole host of other things that I'm doing. Like I take elderberry syrup during the year. I take CBD oil before I go to bed, but it's all about doing things that are going to help me rest the best that I can, that are going to help me um, to be as clear headed as I possibly can. And when I'm like that, I just work better. Now for school, I think other things that you can do is automate some of what you're doing. Don't recreate the wheel for every lesson. Like on Monday, have a thing. And then on Tuesdays, you do a thing. And Wednesdays, you do a thing. I, that works for me. And I know it doesn't work for everyone, but like, um, but it's my show. So I'm, I can only talk about really what works for me. That really helps to, to do that. And then I think what you find is that when you're happier going to school, the work seems like less, like it's not as difficult, right? It's the old spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down idea. And you are, even when you're doing all that work at school, like um, it's, you're finding systems that are going to help you out to do that. So real quick in the comment section, if anyone could sort of, her name was Beth, right? Yeah, Beth. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone could help Beth out to see like what would help her to, to not burn out? Like what are things that you do, especially if you're a science teacher, like that really help you out to do that? I feel like, um, I feel like uh, Richard Royster would know, have some truth to speak to that situation. Um, Elizabeth Mason is asking, first year teacher, and I feel like I'm constantly behind. Any advice? Elizabeth, um, I do have advice, but I will say this first, that you will never catch up. No one ever does. There's literally always something else to do, right? It's like exercises. You're never done exercising. You just get tired or your hours up or you're done on the elliptical machine or whatever it is. But you could always do like another sit up. You could always do some push ups. You could, there's always something else you could do. So look, teaching always has ongoing work. So, so the idea here is that like, what do you need to get done today? I find that making checklists help me get through my day. I love lists because it allows me to cross things off. And that is so satisfying. Um, the other thing is, again, to automate certain things. When students come in, where are they putting their homework? And then I take that homework from my front desk. I put it in a bin that says to grade. When it's done getting graded, I put it in the to, uh, to file. And then I file it in the right crate that it needs to go into. 
Um, I've used things like, uh, and I'm not affiliated with this company, but I've used Zipgrade this year, which is like an online, like a app that you can, if you do multiple choice, you scan it and it is like less than a second. It scans it in. And the thing I like about it the most is that it compiles all of that data from grading papers. So I can find out if everyone really didn't understand the question on imagery or didn't understand like number 14 about some person in the book. And I'm like, oh, I can go back and see like, maybe I could have been clearer on that. Or maybe we need to like look at that information again. So using apps like that really, really help. Teachers often overcomplicate things. And I think that it's important to not feel like you need to recreate the wheel. I think teachers that are in completely scripted classrooms could still sprinkle magic on their lessons, right? So for instance, um, if we had to read every day, and I don't care what I had to read, they could give me the Scarlet Letter, right? It was a book that everyone always hates. Or Animal Farm is a book that teachers like these books. But do students really like them? I'm not really sure. If you take the Scarlet Letter and you have a really tense part, like at the end of the book, and it's like, I forget, it's like the two main characters are talking and they're figuring stuff out. And you go on YouTube and look up dramatic music. Try this in your class. It's awesome. Dramatic music. And you play dramatic music behind that reading. All of a sudden, I swear to you, it like takes on a new life. It is the difference between watching a, a training montage in a Rocky movie with no sound on and then putting dun, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun. you put that behind it. That's the thing that you're like, yes, it's like a both end thing. It's just about finding those little, sometimes silly ways to sprinkle magic on your class and take the regular stuff and make it magical. Um, Beatrice, is that? Am I saying that right? That is, first of all, your name looks amazing the way it's spelled. And the fact that their first and last name end with Z's is just kind of awesome also. But I think I'm saying that right, Beatrice. Uh, hi, I'm a first year teacher and I'm seeking advice with my team. They're convinced that I don't want to be a team player because I didn't complete a challenge. I feel overwhelmed with everything right now. I don't know what to do. So look, first, um, take a breath. It's going to be cool. I find that in these situations when people don't think I want to be a team player, which happens, right? Because I don't want to do everything the school wants me to do all the time. I try and communicate that, look, like, like there's certain stuff I don't, like, look, we have Spirit Day coming up this year. It's like a new initiative in our school. And I maybe I seem like to everyone, like I'd be a Spirit Day kind of <laughs> dude, right? Turns out I'm not a Spirit Day kind of dude. If I'm in a PD and they go, oh, we need like a, like an, uh, a volunteer to come up on stage and do this thing. I'm just like, nope, nope, no, I did last week. And I hope no one from my school is watching this, but it's possible because I think Mr. Dorian might be watching this. We were at the middle school and Mr. Dorian's my vice principal. Um, we're at the middle school and they needed volunteers. They started doing Zumba in the middle of one of the professional development things. I'm not, I have nothing against Zumba. I have nothing against this gentleman that was leading us to do Zumba. It's actually a pretty good idea for people, not for me. So instead, I like did one of these, like where I just slunk down behind the lunch counter where I was sitting and no one could see me except for these two new girls who came over later and they were like, saw what you were doing. Because it's just not my jam, right? But when I can communicate to people, I'm not against what you're doing. If you guys get down like this, awesome. It's just not my jam, man. I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna do it. So I think communicating that to people or in fine, like going to them and just telling them, hey, look, I, 
I feel like this might have looked like a total jerk move that did this the other week or like that this happened. I just want you to know that I didn't mean it in, in that way. I'm really excited to be here. I want to be a part of this team so bad. And I'm looking forward to like getting to know all of you and to being part of this community of the school and serving the students to the best of my ability. But I'm just, I just, that wasn't my thing, right? Um, that communication right there is going to stop any kind of like speculation on their part. Like, I don't think she actually wants to be a part of the team. I don't think she does either. It's like you going, no, 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 let me just stop you right there. I do. And let me tell you that I do. Now, look, if they from then on decide that they want to keep talking about it or whatever, whatever, bro, like they need to just get a life. But like you can only give someone the gift. What they do with the gift after you give it to them is completely it has nothing to do with you. If you give someone a really great present and they go, oh, look, I always wanted chopsticks with hands on the end, which is a real thing. I bought a five and blow the other day. And they take the, your gift and they put it in their closet and it collects dust for the next 10 years. You can't get pissed off about it. It's like, just give them the gift. And so that's what I would do. By the way, I mean, gang, come on. Cho eats with chopsticks every single day at school. And I suck at eating with chopsticks. So I got these because I think it's just going to aggravate her. And it's going to be hilarious. And then I'm going to just like poke kids with them. There's a hundred jokes here. I mean, I just like, I'm so... I was like so happy when I saw those. Five and Below is your like. I think they were like the last ones I saw. Yeah, Five and Below has awesome stuff. They also had that that stretchy banana last year that I would bother kids with all the time. That thing was awesome. Um, Hoffer Teaching is saying, any tips for boosting the morale of new teachers in my school having trouble with their classroom management? Yes. That's a great question. Uh, last week we had a day where – I don't know that the school fully understood. Like, I think sometimes like leadership in the summer is like working on so many great initiatives, which to be honest, like this year, our school, I had a hard year last year for like, let's say 10 reasons. I went to admin at the end of the year and said like, Hey, these are things that I'm really struggling with. And I think other teachers are too. Um, and I just want to put it out there for you. Like, I don't have an answer for all of them, but like, I just want you to know. We came back this year and like not only those 10 things, but like other things that were on the fringe of bothering me, like we're all completely addressed by the school. And that really just felt amazing to know that I work at a school where like people are, they're listening to you. Like you're a professional. They want you to be happy. They want you to find success and they want the students to find success. And so that was really awesome. Um, what the hell was I thinking and talking about now? Oh, I don't know. And, um, oh, damn it. I hate when I, when I do that. Oh, I have a teaching. She asked about oh, morale. morale. Yeah. So um, that being said, the third day in last week at PD, they were like, um, gave us all these different initiatives. Like, it was like everyone had good ideas and ways to rewrite the curriculum and do special ed paperwork and <clears throat> all this stuff. And every new teacher looked like they were going to throw up in, in two seconds. So I just made an announcement and I said, hey, look. I feel overwhelmed right now, right? Like I've been at this school almost longer than anyone. I feel overwhelmed right now. And if you feel like you're going to throw up, I want you to come to my class at lunch today and we can talk about it. And so my, my thing there is having teachers come and speak with you about what's going on. Because like I could give like some advice on what to do with classroom management. And so I'm sure so could you, but like just letting those folks know that they're not in this alone and have them come sit in your class. Be like, yo, if you're having trouble with stuff, like, why don't you just come sit in my class one day and see how I roll? Or sit in this person's class that has really good classroom management and does it different than you. So the other day, 
we had a uh, we had a group in there um, after we I announced this and it was me, Cho, and my buddy Rufo. Rufo is the real handsome dude in the uh, Bean Boozled Challenge video that we made, uh, who threw up on camera. That was a whole other thing. But the three of us don't handle classroom management the same at all. I'm all jokes. Cho is super mean all the time. And Rufo puts kids in headlocks all the time because that's the kind of bro that he is. So it's just different. And I think when teachers see that there's a different way for everyone, that really helps. And I think inviting them in and just letting them talk about it is what's going to be really what helps. Turtle, I see you on here, bro. I think you want me to see that you're on here. Turtle is a student of mine also. Um, his last name is Terrell, so we just changed it to Turtle because that's cooler. And now he just comes on here and puts friggin' turtle emojis all over the place. <laughs> just to drive you nuts. Well, some people really love it. I don't oh, like, yeah. they're like, turtle seems so sweet. It's not always sweet. <laughs> He's going to get a headlock from Rufo. I'm going to make sure. <laughs> sure. Um, Ace Leo says. Oh, wait. I just want to oh, say also ahead. for a hopper teaching, like. Please go ahead. I'm going to drink my uh, non wine. Not that I'm trying to. I think if you find good resources, you should send them their way to those people. Like if they're struggling in, in classroom management, like, I don't know, send them to upgraded dot education. <laughs> look, and look, I mean like, and it's just a resource yeah. also. I'm not, it's not, easy. or if you have like a YouTuber that you like, and it doesn't, I'm not saying like send them to my channel. Cause look, if they come or not, like that doesn't matter. Um, I don't need to the be, goal is to be helpful to yeah, teachers. Yeah. And if that's, and so I have a bunch of classroom teacher. management videos that might help out or, if you think there's somebody else on YouTube or Twitter or whatever that they would connect with, or um, if there's a certain book that you would buy them to try and connect with that. I just think people don't realize that that resource is even available. Like the social media world for teachers. I don't think everybody knows that that's. Oh, I don't think so either. Right. So I think people Google things out of desperation and that's how they find us where they're like, I was just Googling classroom management and your name popped up and I was like, awesome. But like, I don't think that, People know that folks are on social media. No. Uh, Ace Leos is at Ace Leos. First of all, that's a great profile name. I don't know if it's your real name. And I really like your uh, look at his profile picture. It's kind of like this. Drawing. Oh, yeah. I thought I noticed. Mm -hmm. um, I can't really see exactly what it is, but it looks awesome. Ideas for seniors who have dual credit but does not need my class, but does not do much college work when he is here. Um, I sent him out on Friday to find a class, but I feel like that is not the answer. Um, so look, I, I think seniors now look, let me, let me speculate a little bit here because I don't know what kind of school you're in or what type of student this is or what his story is or his background. I started I had this realization last year that senior year, as exciting as it is to be done, is also really terrifying to students. I also think that the majority of my students that struggle and like are uh, like could graduate, but then don't graduate. I think that's because success is a lot more terrifying than failure is sometimes. Like when you come from a neighborhood where no one goes to college, bro, like no one's moving on. No one's like really living their dream. They are struggling to get by or they took the $40,000 a year job. Like I had a kid last year, wanted to go to school for truck driving because you could make 40 G's out of the gate. And that's great, right? That sounds awesome. It's huge. It's more than I made my first year teaching. But 
it is, it's way more than I made my first year teaching. I just want to say, <laughs> but in 20 years, 30 years, I don't know the truck driving industry. It's like, can you make more than that? Or do you get stuck? Like if you're not in the union and you're just, you know, on the road, on my own boss kind of thing, like, I don't know what that potential looks like. And so really getting kids to look at that. So here's what I would do. I would take that student and they're a senior, help them to really figure out what do they want to do, right? So like, do you want to be a nurse or be a, I don't know, a YouTuber, or you want to be a teacher or whatever it is that you want to do. And then how are you going to get there? I'd also have those kids. This is what I did when I had a, I had a study hall last year called senior study. And it's just a bunch of seniors that they threw in there. And I always get like the, let's get the tricky group. Um, we ended up having a conversation where kids were like, nah, when I got out of high school and I get a job, I'm going to start, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to have this, I'm going to get my own crib. I'm going to have this kind of car. And it's like, bro, I don't think you understand what we're talking about here right now. Because like, go find, go look up what that car costs for me. Go look up, like, what kind of apartment would you want to live in? And where would you want to live in that apartment? So look that up and then get back to me with that information. All right. So it costs this much money. If you're making 40 G's a year out of the gate, they're only going to be able to afford this kind of place. Like it's really, it's, it is not catching kids. It's bringing the level of reality. It is the real rap and real rap with Reynolds where you're having an honest conversation with a student about their future and helping them to say, this is what I want in my life. This is the dream. How do I get to the dream? And then that makes school important because otherwise school is just not that important. It's just like, it's like they don't see the value in it. But if you can show them that this is a part of the game, that my class is part of the game, that passing is part of the game, that state tests are part of the game, that college, that doing well in college, that graduating from college, that getting the internship, it's all part of this game to get to where you want to be. And so that breaks it down. And it's like uh, Michelle sent me this text the other day. It's like that breaks it down so that kids understand that they need to be willing to do what others will not right now so that later they can do what others cannot. And so I think that that's, that's what I would do. Um, a follower's fight can say, that is a, what does that mean? It's very interesting. And it looks like a book. I feel like that's, a, it seems Jesus-y to me. I'm not really sure, but um, could, <laughs> anyway, going. No. Um, a follower's fight is saying, uh, how can we classify things in different grade levels, wait, how can we classify things as different grade levels if most teachers make their own lesson plans? Uh, I, I think it depends on the complexity of the ideas, right? So like I know for reading, um, a lot of times it's connected with Lexile levels, right? So how complicated is the actual text that you're doing? So it's not, but then look, I mean, it's like, this is a great question. And I don't know that there's a perfect answer for it because what I don't want to do is support the system that I think is broken. Like how do we have kids that are in the ninth grade that are on a second grade reading level? Or I just had a conversation with a colleague the other day where it's like, you find out a kid has a in all their classes, but they're really just a really good kid in the hand in all their classwork, but they don't have mastery over the subject matter. I think it becomes taking a look at some of that stuff and reconstructing some ideas that we have. So, um, if teachers are creating their own lesson plans, it should be like, to me, what that allows is autonomy for me to teach ways, teach things in a way that are more geared to my personality. Or I think lesson plans in the beginning of the year are weird anyway. How could you plan a lesson for students that you do not know yet, right? 
you don't know what they like or dislike. You don't know what their strengths or weaknesses are. You don't know if they're oral learners or not oral learners, like audio, like they can hear. I don't know why I'm blanking on that right now. Um, you don't know if they're visual learners. You don't know if they learn by doing projects. You don't know if they're better at like writing and having conversations. So how can you dial in your lesson plans when we just don't know who they are? I say this all the time. School was made for vanilla children. And then I, every year I get a class full of mint chocolate chip and Rocky Road kids. And I'm like, this is not this one size fits all model won't work. But I, to me, to break it down real quick is like, I think in letting teachers do their own lesson plans, you're letting them dial in their strengths and their students' strengths into what needs to get done. And then everybody wins from that. Uh, Tyler Starbuck is asking, that's a really great question, by the way. Thank you. Tyler Starbuck is asking, currently pursuing my master's of education. What is a piece of advice that you would give someone in my position getting ready to start student teaching and finishing strong in school? Um, Tyler, I would say, uh, love the channel, by the way. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I, I said this a little bit earlier. Um, get in touch with students. Like, Go find ways to start teaching people now. Um, if you are... I just don't know that another any other profession really, really does this. Unless nursing, maybe you have to learn about drugs before you administer them or something like that. Like, can't just go out and start nursing people. Yeah, no. Right That's against the law. But teaching is this great thing where, like, you could tutor people. And if you don't feel like you're smart enough, tutor people that are on a lower level or that are at a younger grade than you. You know more than a second grader, right? Um, so rock that. Get a part of the after-school program. Because the thing that school doesn't allow you to do enough of, they do, they do some of it, but not enough of is actually interacting with young people. So get out there and start interacting with them in that, not, not just like on the street, but like, um, but getting a, a part of the after school program, something like that, where you're going to get that real world kind of tactical training in or, or experience and like what it's like to actually deal with young people. And that's going to just make you better from day one, because kids are the thing that's the variable that makes everyone nervous. No one's nervous that they don't know enough English or that they don't know history enough. No, you became a history teacher because you friggin' love history. The thing that's terrifying is the kids. So like go out there and start getting involved with students and that will make you a better teacher. Um, oh gosh, let me just, um, this is my uh, public service announcement right now where I remind people that I think I am a closeted dyslexic and too many vowels throw my world off. So this name is Henri Vandermeer. That's first of all, if I said that right, that is a great name. Um, but I apologize if I said your name wrong. A-N-R-E. Uh, I am a new teacher and I found your YouTube channel and I wanted to quit. <laughs> and I wanted to quit. I, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't make me want to keep making YouTube videos. No, I, I think you're reading that Wait, wrong. Wait, am I? I didn't she finish said, it. I'm a new teacher and I found your YouTube channel as I wanted to. Oh, quit. I thought she was saying oh like gosh. she watched my YouTube Wait, channel. Just... She was like, no. I'm going to quit. I'm done. No, she's... It's a compliment. Oh. And keep going because you're going to laugh at the rest of All her right. question. Thanks for changing my mind. I'm preparing a dyslexia presentation for the staff at my school. Tips to engage the staff. First of all, I thought I made you want to quit. Second of all, I'm glad I didn't. Third, um, I think one of the things that like one of the ways people go wrong when they present is they make it all factual. I think share a story, tell a story about students that, you know, they're dyslexic and how they were helped and how they grew and what that meant. 
I think the other thing with dyslexia and, and knowing because our children have a level of dyslexia, I think my, my son is severely dyslexic and my daughter is like, she like flirts with dyslexia, I think. But um, they, it is people's gross misunderstanding of what dyslexia is. They think that it's only writing words or letters backwards. And there's so many other things that are variables in dyslexia. So I would let them know really what this looks like, what it, what it is. What happens with it? I would make sure to tell people that like um, this is just stuff that I found really interesting when we found our our kids were dyslexic. Finding out that like it doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean that you can't achieve. It's that you learn a different way and it's just going to take longer. I would break down some of the there's tons because we're a celebrity culture. There's I would talk about celebrities, but like like I think what is it more than half of the entrepreneurs on shark tank are dyslexic like there's tons of dyslexic people out there so breaking that down i would talk about um and then i would just like talk about like things that people can look for because this is the way that this is engaging is it's like you're actually giving them practical tips and tricks on how to spot things and what they can actually do about it and then i would tie in student stories student stories always win that is the thing that when i go and do a presentation and i talk about certain students that is the thing that like really draws people in that they're just like, like it gets them on heart level. And I think that's how you connect people. Wait, I have something else. Also, I just, I think that you need a example of what it's like for a dyslexic to read when teachers have to see that how hard that it takes for them to like figure out what it's saying they realize that they don't even know what they read because they're working so hard on trying to figure out the decoding that that's why the comprehension isn't there. So I think if you can connect that piece and show how like taxing it is for the child, um, I think that gives a better understanding for, for teachers to understand where the students are coming from. And then that, that even like shows or gives the teacher like the idea that they really want to help um, and they can pull in things like Bookshare or audio files or co- companies like ListenWise, or I think Newzella even has like a, um, audio components, Texas um, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like or using sort of audiobooks and stuff like that too. Like then they, can, they can get the information. They can get the vocabulary, you know, that they're supposed to be learning for their age group, but yet they don't have to work so hard. Like they can actually take the information in without all the work. So they're, yeah. You sound like a mom with a dyslexic kid I right am. there. So next question. Uh, Luis Lopez is asking uh, post-its with messages to redirect behavior privately instead of calling kids out publicly, good or passive aggressive. I love it. I do it all the time. So um, I also bought, is it in here? It's all in there. So I buy, I think stickers do this also. So look, I'm weird. So like, and sometimes I do stuff and from people on your side of the screen, sometimes it looks mean, but it's not. So I buy things like, uh, Hey man, you're doing a great job. Get some broccoli. If you're not doing a good job, I'm going to give you a Brussels sprout. Um, I, I got unicorn stickers the other day to put on kids. Uh, I don't know why I thought these are so funny fruit stickers. And then if you're not doing a good job, or if I just want to bust them for you one day, I just give you an ugly sticker. And I think your work is ugly. And I really don't like the way that you're doing it. I think stupid stuff like that 
really just helps. And I don't think it's the act. I think it's the intention behind the act that is the thing. So some teacher might put post-it notes and be like, "It the kids get their vibe. They know that they're not cool. But if you just put like, if I write on a post-it note, like keep your head up uh, and sign a Tupac, it's like when a kid gets it, I just give them like a smirk or something like that. And that helps. So I think it's totally fine. But I think in, as in everything, it is what is your intention behind the act. Oh, unicorns mm-hmm. rock, and we got unicorns. Unicorns rock. Ah, yay! Unicorns <laughs> uh, queries. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, I apologize if I'm not. Is this the okay? So it's two. Um, just got into your channel and love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm a recent college graduate, and I want to get into secondary education. Any tips on how to get into the field? I applied to teach for America, but I'm worried about the moral implications of learning about teaching while practicing on students that deserve better. So that's, that's a good question. I, I have a love kind of not love, I don't want to really say hate relationship with teach for America. I think teach for America sells folks on this idea that they, um, it's going to come back and bite me. I feel like one day teach for America is going to ask me to speak and then they're going to be like, are you scratching my scratch and sniff stickers? Yeah. Um, and then they're going to find this video. Look, I think teach for America does this thing sometimes where they like ask, they like, show like sad pictures of like black and brown kids and then say, don't you want to teach them? And then they, they sell these kids this, this vision and they get into the classroom and then it's not what they thought it was going to be. It's not kids that are like longingly waiting. Please, please, please come teach me and save me. It is like kids going, what are you doing here? Like, why should I listen to you? I don't give a crap. And so, and then you have to like, and then you get punched in the face with that reality and they don't, break it down for you that like you need to actually build relationships with students here's some of the things that you can do to like go deeper instead of just like show up and like bless kids that being said i some of my favorite teachers i've ever worked with have gone through tfa like my friend cho that i always talk about my friend randy rebuy who is a really great author and teaches out in california now was tfa like tons of people i know were tfa so i'm not saying there it's like the root of evil or something like that that being said um I know a lot of people also that have like kind of learned while doing like teaching, learning to teach in college does not necessarily prepare you for teaching. Right. I think student teaching and practicums, like getting to go witness people's classrooms. I think that is where you, the rubber really hits the road. Um, They in, in learning to teach in college, I always say this, it's like, it's like learning to swim in a classroom. If you looked at like, these are the molecular properties of molecular molecular properties of water. And this is what it would, this is if someone drowned or drowned, this is how you would like handle it. Or if you think that you're caught in a rip current, this is how you handle it. But the reality is, is that like, that's all theory. It's not reality. And so, what up girl? Um, so I think that uh, you can do like an alternate route or something like that and just learn while doing. But again, it's going to be your intention. And I think if you do a certain program like that, you're going to be in a particular kind of school anyway that needs people, right? So like TFA only sends teachers like to areas that really are hard, like hard up for teachers. So you are filling a void and then just go in there with the best intentions ever. Um, just don't drink the Kool-Aid all the time. Um, but that's awesome. If I can help with that in any way, just please let me know if you can show up on Sundays, ask any question that you want. I'd be happy to try and help. Um, teaching with Hazy is asking, how do you raise... And do you ever raise your voice? Oh, do I? Um, I can talk about that in a second too. 
Um, I have a very similar teaching style to you, but I'm quite loud. So I wasn't screaming just louder than normal. Kid, kind of authoritative. Is that okay to do? Yeah, I raise my voice all the time. I found that uh, some students respond to that better and others don't. Um, I give like a, 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 like a, like, I don't know. I sound like a pastor every once in a while. We're like, I get aggravated because of how students are acting. I just try to look, look, let me break it down like this. I think someone once told me when I was student teaching, the, one of the greatest teachers I ever knew, uh, Mr. Sicari at Winslow Township High School, used to say that 90% of teaching is acting. And so whenever I do raise my voice, I cannot lose it, right? I, so there's sometimes I want to lose it. And that's, those are the times I do not yell. When I yell, I has to be controlled, right? It's like under my power. And so if I raise my voice, it is because I need to clear the air. I need to let people know what the situation is. And with certain students, I find that yelling at them is the thing that like it, it, it sparks their brain for a second. And now they're listening to you. Now you have their attention. You can tell them what they need to know. And you're very direct and clear. And then you move on with the class. Um, other kids that can never yell at. So I had a student... Uh, Joe, Joe's one of my favorite students of all time. And Joe, I can never yell at. It's just, it's, it's gonna, he's gonna hate you forever and he will never let it go because he loves holding grudges like it's a hobby for him. So can't do it. But my guy, DJ Dirty Kev, who's also one of my favorite students of all time, I gotta yell at Kev all the time. I gotta <laughs> just go right for the throat with Kev because Kev doesn't listen unless I yell at him sometimes. And it is, it is something that I can even laugh about afterwards, or I can like if I raise my voice sometimes, I'll be like, "How was, was that pretty good?" I was pretty convincing. That was my dad voice. I was practicing there, and so certain stuff helps. And what I've also found in kind of like reading that I've done is that like kids with ADHD, right? They their brain doesn't doesn't light up in certain places like other students do, and so that that yelling, that Rufo putting a kid in a headlock. Like that lights that up. And so that's a lot of times where they like to, they're trying to get in trouble. They're trying to get a rise because it like, it puts them in the right place. And so I don't know that that's a hundred percent true for everyone, but that's how I, I do it. Um, I don't recommend going and putting kids at headlocks, but I do yell at kids quite often. What do you got, dude? Whoa, you're, you're on the ball. Tonight. I'm trying. Um, I'm going to get, this is another name I'm going to get wrong. Jehu? Jahu? J, I think it's Jehu. Graham is asking, uh, I just got hired as an economics teacher at a high school and your videos provided me with an immense inspiration. Thank you very much. I'm glad to do it. Question. How can I keep my students excited about learning throughout the year? Look, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, there's going to be lulls, right? So it's like, a, it's like an ocean, right? There's like, sometimes you're riding high and you're crushing it and sometimes you're not. I think the first thing, let me say this, but this doesn't really answer your question is knowing that all things are temporary. Don't start crushing it and you feel like the rest of the year is going to be like this. It may not be like this. So like be cool with that. Also, when things are really low, just like in life, I know that everything's temporary. So the other night I was walking with my wife and the dog and we were like taking a walk at night. It was really beautiful and the weather was perfect. And in the back of my mind, I just think I need to know that this is temporary because so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it in in a different way. I'm going to really appreciate it. I need to be mindful of that. And when shit sucks, I need to know that like I am trying like it's that's okay too. Like it'll it'll pick back up. Keeping kids' interests is dialing into what students are actually interested in. So do they like certain movie? 
TV show, video game, and then go watch the TV show, video game, or movie, even if you don't like it, even if you never heard of Steven Universe and you don't want to watch Steven Universe, you go watch Steven Universe anyway, or at least watch a five-minute clip on YouTube that summarizes Steven Universe or whatever manga comic that some kid's reading or whatever, or you don't want to watch Riverdale, but you can watch like a five-minute like, here's what you missed in this week's episode of Riverdale kind of thing that someone put on YouTube. It's going to put you in the know with your students in a way that you can like, like maybe algebra is not interesting. Maybe Lord of the Flies isn't interesting, but is Lord of the Flies through the lens of Spider-Man, whatever the hell the new Spider-Man movie was um, going to be cooler. Right. So like the sniper, that story, and now I always think it's such a great story and the students just don't. But last year, we made it, we made Sniper, we talked about it through the lens of looking at Fortnite, which is very similar, talked about sniper rifles, talked about turrets and like the things you hide behind and how it's hard to see people sometimes and you can kind of see your target, but you can't really. And that's how that one guy shot the other guy and that's how it happened like that. That stuff is like, then it was like, oh, we're like kind of reading a story about Fortnite. I think that's how you keep student engagement through the year. It takes you having a radar as to what your students are interested in and then paying attention to how they learn best. Do they do well in projects? Do they do well in essays? Do they do well with speaking in groups in class or small group work? Like try a bunch of stuff, see what works and capitalize on it. Cody is asking, um, uh, I'm starting a PGCE teaching course. This is, uh, I don't know what this is. That's the second UK. time tonight. Thank you. It's UK. Okay, I know, but I just thought that was interesting. You didn't think it was as interesting as I did, but that's all right. No, your job is to just answer questions. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad, girl. Uh, I just see you over there, and you look so lovely, and I want to talk to you. Our education system is fairly different, but what are the best bits of advice that you would give to someone going into their training year? Cody, I would say, aside from the other stuff I've, I've kind of talked about tonight, um, first of all, have fun, man. Like, like, school sucks. I can't say it enough. School sucks for kids. They don't want to go to school. There's a reason that kids don't like going to school. <laughs> Because it sucks. It's not fun ever. And teachers want to like, teachers love biology, but then they have kids that don't love biology, but then they think if they teach them enough biology, I don't know, they're going to like friggin' like it. Or teachers get burned out. Like the system is broken in every country, even in Finland to some extent, I'm sure. But like, uh, they, it is this idea that can we connect students? to what they're learning in a meaningful way. And I think the best energy that's going to do that is if you're having fun, which is why everyone should go to five and blow them by these uh, chopsticks with hands on the end of them and lean into your personality. Like have that come through in your teaching. If you love like being serious, if you're really passionate about what you're doing, um, my friend Jen Jones says like for English teachers, it's about being a book pusher. You should always be talking about books. Tell kids what you're reading. Tell them what you've read. Tell them what you think they would love reading. Talking about books constantly. There's pictures of books on your wall. There's books in your room. They're displayed really cool. Like that can only come though from a sense of play and a sense of having fun and whatever that means to you. I think that is the big thing. I think the other piece is always relationships. It's always building relationships with students and getting to know them, who they are, what they're about, um, so it can inform your teaching. Because that's what we're there for anyway, right? Like when I talk about building relationships all the time, it's not just so you can teach content better. We're there to serve kids. That's the whole reason we're there. And so to me, I want to be a teacher that I never had growing up. So even on my worst dates, when I'm just like a miserable old fart in school and I know and I'm just mad as hell at everyone, 
I think that I'm still trying to be better than anyone that ever came into walked into a classroom that I was in. And so that's what you're trying to do. And so that's, that's where all that comes from. Um, made new ASMR Inc is saying I teach uh, art and theater elective one period that I didn't wait. And one period that I didn't choose to be there. So I hated it. Wait, wait hold on. I'm yeah. re- I am not reading clearly. I teach art and I teach. What is wrong with me? I I teach art and theater elective, and one period didn't choose to be there, so they hate it. Got it. It's only the second week. Any advice? I'm establishing rules and expectations. Uh, I'm consistent. First of all, awesome. Second of all, look, I teach. Uh, even though I teach the history of hip hop as an elective. Um, that sounds like a home run for everyone. And it's not. Some dudes get in there and they're like, this is dumb. Poetry, stupid. Uh, I hate rap music. And it's like, whatever, bro. Um, I think at, how can you figure out what students are interested in and then tie what you're teaching into that? So like uh, I have kids. How do I want to do this? Every year for my poetry class on Fridays, we have ciphers, right? So kids write poetry all week or they write lyrics all week. And then on Friday, it's like, bring your best stuff out. And it's like the end of eight mile. Like we, we throw down the front of the room and people get to see who's got what They're Every once in a while though, I get a class that they're like, yeah, I don't really feel confident in this. And I don't write rhymes outside of school. So it's kind of weird. And I don't want to share it. Um, so I get stuck and I don't know what to do. So it's like, well, what are you guys into? Want to talk about like how, how else can we go towards this? So I think it was a theater elective, right? She said, so like what? Oh, on the question. Yeah. 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 I think so. Okay. Yes. Yeah, theater. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so there might be like traditional theater, but like, can you talk about a one man show? Can you talk about stand up comedy? Can you talk about, um, any number of other things that are essentially theater. I mean, like, look, like I think that what I do to some extent is theater because I'm standing up on a stage every day. I'm trying to get people to pay attention to me, trying to be engaging. And like, I'm like juggling fire up there to try and get kids to pay attention. Um, How can you do that in your classroom and what lens? So you go like, all right, look, I get it. 100%. Like you don't want to take this class. Let's talk about what you are interested in. And then break that down. Have kids give acceptance speeches or, or talk to them about public speaking or talk to them about um, like looking at performances, like breaking down sections of movies or, or sections of plays and saying like, why? Like, this is just someone pretending. Why are we crying about this? Why do we get upset? Why do we get angry about it? Why is this like so hard to watch? It's all pretend. And so maybe thinking about that and like, look, I think this is just going to inform your practice and on like a new level is like teaching the people that want to learn it is awesome, but it's really easy. How do you teach to someone that's like, ah, bro, I'm not doing this. I don't want to be in this stupid class. And it's like, well, what do you want to learn about? Like, like come at me with that. Like, what do you, what do you want to learn about? What are you interested in? Um, and then teach, teach to that. I think this could actually be like a super awesome experience for you. Okay. Uh, last question because it's quarter after six and my kids are going to starve to death soon. Um, my son, just That's what she did. She came and got a, a bowl of chips. And, oh, really? And then Brody was telling me earlier, he was like, I'm starving. I'm like, you just ate. I just made you food. And you're like, <laughs> I'm starving. Starving to death. Um, I, I think this is episode 301, EP 301 is saying, 
I have a student with an IEP this year that I am nervous in regards to how to handle this particular child's behavior while staying consistent with my expectations for my whole class. Any advice? Yes. I would say one, pull that student aside and say, Hey, I, um, I know the deal. I want to know for you what you need from me this year to be successful. And immediately what you just did there was put the power in the kids' hands. You empowered them to tell you how you, how they think they kind of want to be treated and how they want to like have success in your classroom that year. The other thing you do is call home because look, IEPs are like, IEPs are one thing. Yes. They're not the be-all. It is a way for schools to not get in trouble. It's not always a way for students to find success in the classroom. And they're limited. It's like when you, we were watching, what was that show we were watching last night? Good Girls. Um, We watched the first episode of Good Girls. And so like this woman goes to a doctor that has like files all over the place. And there's 90,000 people in the waiting room because it looks like it's a clinic or something like that. And they offer her what her insurance can cover. And it's not enough. She finally, she robs a store, not saying this is a good idea, robs a store and she goes and gets a good doctor and the doctor like holds her hand and says, here's what we're going to do. And then lists all the things they're actually capable of doing. I think the way you find out what you're actually capable of doing or what needs to be done is by calling home. Listen, parents know their kids better than we do. Now we might know certain things about kids, like how they really act in public uh, better than parents do. But they've been there. They've seen the other teachers. They know what worked before. And I think, I've said this before, if some teacher ever called me for my kid and said, I have your student this year, I want to know how I can best serve them. I seriously You're don't. already freaking I can see I am. Because this is like, I don't think people realize how earth shattering that is for an IEP parent. Like, I do. I know my kid so well. It's insane. Like I know more about his brain than he knows about his brain and how he works. But like if a teacher just asked me, my goodness, you would win so easily because it's not that hard to like connect. It's just not hard. It would be, it's earth shattering if a teacher ever called me. Yeah. So I think that's, that's what I would do. I think that's the move, right? Um, Is that a new shirt? It is. It's a move. Um, you had a few people say that they're excited about free ed, and you oh, could cool. talk about that a little bit. Cool. So, real quick, before everyone logs off, I just want to say a couple things. One, if you weren't on here earlier, um, I'm going to be doing a talk in because people keep asking. This is why I'm saying this. Like, where am I talking? I'm speaking at a school. I'm going to put all the information as soon as this video is done in the description box below. It's on September 28th from nine to one. I'm not speaking the whole time, but I'm the keynote. It's free breakfast, free lunch. The, con- the thing is free. It's Ed Camp and my friend Autumn Zemecki's putting it on. Oh, I think that's her last name. I think I'm saying it right. Anyway, my friend Autumn is putting it on. It's at 130 Berlin Road, uh, New Oxford, PA. It's right near Gettysburg. So I'll be there the whole day. And then I'm doing the keynote afterwards. And if you want to come hang out and talk, we can do that as well. And then, look, my friends and I, Michelle and Bridget, created this thing called Upgrade Ed. Upgrade Ed is online professional development for teachers, by teachers, um, and the first four classes are free. You can just go on upgradeed.education. You get all the resources, you get the classes, you get the certificate, everything is free. After that, there is, um, you can like buy classes on there. And so up until, uh, what is it? September 8th, you get 20% off up until September 14th, you get 10% off. And look, you can ask your school to pay for this too. It is professional development in all schools, even my broke ass school has money set aside for professional development for teachers because it's important. 
Um, and even my school, we have limited resources, but they realize the value in that because they're awesome people. So um, maybe see if you can get that. And then a lot of schools are giving people going to give you credit for doing this. Like when you get that certificate, it'll go towards your professional development hours. Um, so I just want everyone to know about that because I think it's really important. I swear to you, like, look, I don't, I don't ask for stuff. Like I don't make stuff that costs money because I like giving free. Uh, it just costs money because literally it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to create all of this stuff. And the people that I worked with, I really believe in so much and I'm really just excited about it. So, um, and thanks to everyone that already went on there and got involved in it. Gang, my students come back this week. I will see them on Wednesday. Um, I hope to be able to talk about that a little bit next week. And I hope that you have the greatest week ever. And if there's ever anything I can do, go to the Facebook group, sign up for mentoring, you know, get involved and I'd be happy to help with anything that I can. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.